What is up, people of the greater American area? <laughs> is that a, so great to be here? Is that, you're getting just better and better at that. I'm just, wow. I'm so inspired at your progress. Welcome back to the Cody Fitness Podcast, where we're serious 1,000% of the time. Which, by the way, why do people say higher than 100% ever? Let's have that argument right now. Yeah. Can you give 110%? No. You cannot. No. You physically can't. Okay, here's my argument for it. Oh. I think you can give 110% based on your previous efforts. See what I mean? So I guess you if, if you were giving a negative percent. So then you're giving 80, 110% of your ability. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about this because the workout that we have on the, on the board today is going to be a big challenge. And uh, maybe we should talk about briefly... How CrossFit can lead to a minor gambling problem. <laughs> As we so discovered yeah. very rapidly yeah. over yeah. the course of the weekend. I think this is just an unpart, un- untapped part of the market that Killcliff is just unaware of. How <laughs> we're here to change are the game. <laughs> in local boxes based on bets. And, and body scans are basically a, a rate of currency now. <laughs> That's <doing>. right. <laughs> it's either in-body or Killcliff. You know about six of them are going to be traded on the black market you know, every week. Hey, so, I'm just over here stoking the fire. Yeah, keep, keep gambling those kill clips. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Chase, what are we talking about today? I don't know. I feel like we should just uh, get right to the topic. Yeah, uh, I kind of forgot just because I had like a lack of accountability uh, with remembering what we're oh. supposed to talk about. Well, let's throw out the topic and maybe talk about accountability. That's why, I, that's why you're around, Ben. Just to change the games, easy segues. Thank you. It's other what, it's what, I'm, it's what I'm paid to do. So Hunter says we're, today we need to talk about accountability. What I'm interested to see is this for the people that are actually sitting around recording the podcast or just the greater population. We're discussing is accountability, what about accountability? Should we love it? Should we hate it? Should we participate in it? Does it get us where we need to go? All around this word accountability. Yeah, that sounds fun. Hunter, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, really we're having this topic so we can hold Chase accountable. Oh. So, I was hoping we, we could get start there. getting them in the uh, in the gym. <laughs> All right, so here's the last place we left off with Chase. Yeah. All right, Chase got married, like met a girl and got married in 47 seconds. Which is pretty <laughs> incredible. Yeah, really uh, impressive. Yeah, which is also probably the length of time that he actually did CrossFit. But I was made a promise that he would come back after he got married, after he got back from his honeymoon, and so that he would get back, <laughs> he would get back into his CrossFit rhythm. And would uh, start showing up for classes. So I think we just, for the sake of our podcast audience, we should just start. Maybe we can bet a kill cliff on. Listen here, <laughs> what actually transpired was I was committing to the we, dating game. I'm just going to shorten this real quick. We okay. know what transpired. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. Ben made this statement. You, yeah, I understand. You'll you'll kind of get in this rhythm of marriage, and suddenly you'll find yourself wanting more alone time because you can't find anywhere else. And mm-hmm. I was like. That makes sense. When I get to that point, I'll probably be back in the gym. <laughs> Not there yet. So, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, okay, so I still say we should wager one kill cliff and one in-body scan that I could get Chase Hammock into Cody CrossFit next week for at least one workout. Who are you betting with? You guys. One kill cliff, one in-body scan. Hmm. I'll go in on that. Sure. Who gets the scan? Oh, this, I benefit from all of this. Oh, you're okay. just, yeah, you're just, I just gotta come suffer. You just have to come suffer, yeah. And I now I get to choose the workout. Oh, that sucks. I was yeah. about to help you. No, no, you can't. You can't pick like 
I'm looking at the whole week because now based on, on feedback from clients we're posting the whole week, I have to be able to look at the week and say, that's the one you need to do. Chase, you can get a scan too when you come in. Sweet. All right. He's that confident you're not going to show Okay. <laughs> so this is actually a method of accountability that we use a lot, just betting against uh, people's failure. Uh, but there are better ways to hold people accountable. I personally have really benefited from the level of accountability inside of Coyote. I'm actually pretty interested in talking about why this has taken root inside of our culture. Is it something that goes across all of CrossFit? What I think it's a distinguishing mark between that and a lot of CrossFit and a lot of other forms of exercise. What is it about CrossFit and accountability that seem to go together so well? Um, I think CrossFit just fosters a, a community. Uh, you're doing the workouts together. Uh, you're suffering together. You're, it's almost like you're at a team practice. Um, like if you play team sports growing up and you just get closer with everybody and so you feel like you're on it together and so when you see somebody not coming you want to reach out to them and say hey what's going on uh, you seem like you're in a bad mood today or you haven't been showing up to the gym lately um, and so it just kind of fosters this we're on this together type attitude um, and I think you see at all levels of CrossFit even in the competition side you even see people when they compete you know they're cheering the other people on to finish up the workout instead of you know, in other sports where they're kind of, you know, gloating over their victory, so to speak. Um, so I just think that the the nature of CrossFit and the nature of how the class is structured and, and how the workouts go and how the workout's hard for everybody, no matter what their fitness level, everybody gets a sense of community and they feel like they're all part of it together and they're all in, in it together. And so when you see somebody who is not... Um, you know, falling out of the pack or not holding their weight, um, that that makes you want to reach out to them and say, hey, what's going on? You know, we've been doing this together. Um, now we're not together anymore. What, what What's going on? I think part of it, yeah, you're definitely getting to the essence, but you get inside of CrossFit and most people fall into a rhythm of showing up for a particular class. They start to build relationships with those people. It's just a lot different from uh, death by cardio with the the earphones in and watching you know CNN or whatever whatever the gym's got going on the their TV. So you're you're really you are fostering a sense of community. But as I was thinking about this topic before we started recording, you know the interesting part about accountability inside of this realm is that a lot of times it doesn't really even have to be spoken. It's just the perceived accountability. Yeah. You feel like people are expecting you to show up because you're leaning on each other to get through those difficult workouts. And I think this is part of it too. Uh, that we don't talk about often because it can be you know, misconstrued. But a lot of days inside of CrossFit are incredibly difficult. You know, it's a very challenging form of exercise. It's, it's very approachable because of its scalability. But when you start getting into the RX realm of what's doing what's actually been programmed, it, it's a difficult thing to do. So you have these other people that are going through difficult stuff and you start to learn other people's strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, take uh, yesterday, for instance, you know, man, this guy's going to struggle on this row, but if I'm there and we're working out together, then maybe he'll do better. And that person serves as that uh, kind of inspiration for your side of it. So when we're talking about accountability, one thing I want to throw to you, Chris, is it just uh, the type of accountability? It's like, hey, man, you better show up. And if you don't show up, you're out of the pack. Or is there more to it than that? Yeah, um, I think uh, uh, people are designed to be you know community you know communal creatures we're supposed to uh, we're supposed to draw strength from from one uh, from one another I mean since since God decided that it wasn't good for for Adam to be alone 
he he designed us to uh, to look out for each other and to uh, and to draw strength from the uh, from the pack, so to speak. And um, I believe that uh, I had somewhere I was <laughs> I was going with this, and then it just left me. Um, we're uh, if uh, you can't just be a, uh, if you're waiting on motivation to uh, to pull you into something to get you into the gym or whatever it happens to be, that'll only last uh, that only lasts so long. Motivation is just uh, is just an emotion like uh, like anything else. I think I've probably said that on this podcast before. Just like being happy or being sad, it's here one minute and gone the next. So you have to have other things that you can that you can lean on besides motivation. Things like uh, accountability and just you know principle I'm going to I'm going to go to the gym because you know it's good for my health and I'm and I'm paying a monthly a monthly fee to go there so you know just out of principle I need to be there even when um whether I'm motivated or not yeah so would you say and I I think I know the answer to this question but I just like our listeners to hear it accountability would you say it's easier inside of uh, a fitness um arena or more difficult do you see people more open to being held accountable about their fitness than maybe about other things in their life? Uh, There's a loud plane. There's a loud plane. Let's make sure we cut this part out. <laughs> yeah, like don't, don't forget, there was a plane. Good now? Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily easier you know or more difficult a lot it just a lot of it depends on the uh, depends on the person you know you have people that come in here that come from a background maybe where they where they played uh, they played team sports or they've been in some kind of a uh, uh, leadership position to one capacity or another and um, then some people that come in here and they're very very uncomfortable with putting themselves out there with um being uh, with being vulnerable you know they don't even like having their name and score put up uh, put up on the board and um so i think that uh yeah you know, one of the one of the big things that, that crossfit teaches you is to be uh to be uncomfortable or be comfortable with being uncomfortable not just not just with the physical part but you know like you know like having your name and stuff putting up on the board being able to to put yourself out there and um and show uh you know show people what uh show people what you uh, what you did that day uh, if something makes you uncomfortable, you should probably look in, uh, look into that, and you know try to figure out you know where the root uh, where the root of that comes from because uh, the world is going to require you at some point to be held accountable for something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, uh, the reason I ask that question is because I've seen this in my own life that practicing in this safe environment, yes, inside of fitness, having that vulnerability, being willing to be held accountable. Hey, you you missed that lap. I know you think you did twenty burpees, but that was only eighteen. And then having to go back after the class is finished and do those, or put the scale dot by the workout, or something like that, it's a safe place. You know, my paycheck is dependent upon that, or my kids or my family. But being in that position with other human beings and being able to accept that has allowed me to take that further step in my life and things that are much bigger and the stakes are much higher to be in that kind of relationship with people. So to to throw it back to you, Hunter, thinking back to your first days of CrossFit, how many years ago has that been now? Uh, 2010. So what is that? Quite eight, a while. Eight, eight years. years. Yeah. Eight so years, yeah. Thinking back to your, your, cause we have a lot of our listeners that are kind of in that phase of their CrossFit journey. They're just getting started. They're wanting to learn more. When you were in that, did you, 
was the accountability part of the appeal, having stepped out of a professional level athletics and being, you know, getting into a desk job, was accountability part of, of what drew you to it? No, not for me, no. Um, I was all, always pretty disciplined as far as going to the gym and taking care of myself, so that wasn't something that I was looking for or felt like I needed. I was more drawn to the competitive aspect of it and the constantly changing um, element of it because I've been you know, lifting weights for 10 plus years and doing the same routines over and over again. But I think you know, to go back to what we're talking about accountability in the gym, that's kind of really what I want to dig into this is also, you know, accountability outside the gym and comparing the two. And I think that most people just don't have accountability in any area of their life. Mm. Um, they go through life and maybe the, maybe their boss will get onto them, you know, once a year in their quarterly or in their yearly review meetings. But other than that, they're not really, being held accountable because they don't have people around them who are willing to call them out on their stuff, you know, and I think just the majority of people are scared to call other people out on their stuff or because they're scared of conflict. And, um, but the reality is that having holding somebody accountable is the best thing you can do for them. If you see somebody slacking off, you need to be able to call them out on them. And that's out of love, not out of, um, anger or that you want something bad for them. It's because you want the best for them. And I think that CrossFit, for a lot of people, might be the first time that they actually do have some accountability in their life. They have somebody who is making sure they're doing correct technique, you know, making sure they're doing the right amount of reps, making sure they're showing up. And you, we definitely see a lot of pushback from it from some people when they first start. They, like Chris said, they don't want you to put their score up on the board or they don't want they get they get upset if you correct their form in front of other people. Um, and what that boils down to is they're just not used to having somebody hold them accountable. And I think, you know, people that grew up playing sports or people who, um, you know, grew up in certain environments in school or whatever, or maybe in their job, have had more experience than others with accountability. But I think that if you haven't ever really had anybody hold you accountable, that CrossFit is a great place to start. And like you said, it can transfer over into every other area of your life. If you start having somebody hold you accountable in here, then you start realizing the value of it and you can start putting people in place who will hold you accountable in other areas of your life, in your personal life, in your financial life, in your work life, you know, in your spiritual life, all that type of stuff, every aspect of life. And that's the way you're going to reach your ultimate best self, best potential is having somebody who will, Hey man, you're, you're, you said you want to do this, but you're not, you're not falling through with what you said you want to do. Um, you're drop, really dropping the ball in this area. And they're saying it to you out of love, not out of um, condemnation. I think it, we're, we're highlighting kind of subtly, we're correcting a misconception about CrossFit in general that it's just full of former athletes that have had coaches yelling at them and have worked out their entire life. But uh, really, as you if, if you were taking a scan of the local affiliates, that's not the majority of people that are involved. It has just such a, a much broader appeal. So you're actually taking people who, like you're pointing out now, Hunter, don't have a lot of history of that authority accountability. Uh, so they, they come into to CrossFit and they get started and they go through an on-ramp and almost from day one, 
after that assessment, there's like, okay, we're going to correct some stuff or we see some stuff that's been happening over the years without you, you know, you've been sitting at a desk probably for the past 10 years and now you're ready to, to jump into this. So my curiosity right now is peaked on, since you guys operate in this world so often, what have you found are some of the best ways to hold people accountable in this way that you're saying is, is motivated by love because a lot of people don't experience it that way? How do you go about it? I think what you said just now, the authority... Uh, accountability and I think that's what most people are used to you know they grow up in school and your teacher or your principals or whatever and then at work your boss is holding you accountable but I think the most valuable way to have accountability is through a peer you know somebody that is a friend um, who you're doing things together with who's going to hold you accountable um, that way you're going to see you know there can you can maybe perceive some ulterior motives and when somebody in authority um, position comes down on you you know some people have negative thoughts about authority don't handle authority well but if you have a friend who is walking the road with you who's calling you out saying hey man you said you wanted to lose the weight but I hadn't seen you at the gym but once and once this month what's going on I think that's going to be a lot more effective and I think that ultimately is what the best way to have accountability is to have somebody, a couple of people who know everything about you and they know what you want and what you're trying to achieve and the person you're trying to become. And if they see you going in a different direction, they're not afraid to call you out on it. And I think that is the most effective way. Yeah, the, our coaches are here and that's what we want to do. We want to help you out. But I think also you need to have a couple of people who you're going through life with going through the gym journey with and you see the people who are the most successful in in our gym and in others you know they're coming to the same class every day they're they're hanging out with the same people every day they're talking with the same people every day and they're around people who are doing it with them but they're also not afraid to call them out if you know they're taking shortcuts or whatever the case may be yes yeah, we're always talking about this inside of cross so i think it's just going to be a part of the conversation uh, forever, but the cost to benefit ratio, and there's so many things uh, that people don't take into account until they start to experience CrossFit. But you're, you're not only paying for access uh, to completely transform your life physically, but you're, you're automatically getting a group of people that care about your end game, that care about your results. And you're not writing a check to those people that are in your 3.30 class or 12 o'clock class but they're just as invested in your, your journey as you are, and sometimes even more so. So when your, your motivation starts to slip, then that accountability moves in. So having it come from an authority figure, we all kind of push back against that because that authority figure usually doesn't have a relationship with you. And this is what really what we're getting across right now through your answer, is that having relationships with people that are on the at the same level of the journey as you are. And what I appreciate, probably one of the things I appreciate most about uh, CrossFit is the people who are really far beyond where you are physically and have passed the goals that you have years ago remember exactly what they were feeling like in that moment because it was a pretty intense experience. So Chris, in your interaction with clients, have you ever had someone um, really respond positively to your accountability? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I can remember uh, you know telling uh, telling people, uh, you know, it, it, it is great to have like accountability partners and things like that. But one thing that I really try to uh, try to impress upon people is you you also you have to be uh, be accountable uh, 
uh, to um, to your inner dialogue, and you have to take responsibility for the way that you uh, that you perceive yourself and I'm um, in the world uh, the world that you live in. And kind of what I'm what I'm getting to with that is uh, like I'll, ha- I'll like I've had somebody one time they tell me, oh, I I can't do I can't do that. I can't do this much weight. I can't run that fast or whatever. And I've uh, and I've pulled them aside and told them, you know, like, okay, if uh, if your kid comes up to you and they've got a C or a D in math or something like that, and you tell them, you know, you can, you know, you can do better than that, and they tell you, no, I can't. How are you going to respond to that? You know, you have to, uh, you have to be, um, uh, you, you know, you've got to be able to walk the walk, also, you know, and um, if. Uh, and be uh, you know be accountable for your own actions too, and lead uh, and lead from the front. And um, uh, another thing that I, that I try to tell people uh, tell people also you know correct that self uh, that that internal to correct that internal dialogue. I tell people if you talk to other people the way that you talk to yourself, would you have any friends? Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I think um, I think accountability. You know, there there are there are external factors that go into it, like having the part accountability partner stuff like that. But there's also there has to be some some internal change. You have to be accountable to yourself in some uh, in some actions also. Yeah, I love what you're pointing out that that uh, reverse side of accountability we don't talk about much, but a lot of people are in a bad place when they they start to pursue getting better physically. Something's happened, or they've let themselves go for a decade or so, and. Uh, you know, they're always talking to, you guys seen the Seinfeld episode where the guy's always talking about himself in the in third person. And uh, you hear that a lot on, on the floor. It's like, man, come on, Ben, come on, Ben. And yeah. they're just always <laughs> negative and down yeah, on themselves. Yeah. And you got to interrupt that and say, man, you are, you are wasting so much energy uh, holding yourself accountable for the wrong things instead of the right things. So it really, it really is a shared journey. I don't know. I'm interested to hear. I don't know if it's because there's a time constraint on the amount of time that you are with people uh, on a daily basis, I'm not. I'm not talking about your journey through the day. You're you're here almost all day, but you're with people roughly an hour and change. And I've noticed the way that you guys hold people accountable is you just get kind of straight to the point, you know. Yeah. And and I've learned this about myself here. If I'm if I'm trying to dodge accountability, I'm usually telling some sort of big story. Yeah. And uh, then you guys like. Ask this one just piercing question about what the heart of quit, the issue is. Quit beating around the bush. We know. That's right. It's about. like, uh, okay, well, uh, how's your diet? You're like, yeah. okay, conversation over. You know, yeah. accountability enters into the conversation pretty quickly. But I, I think that's part of it. Wouldn't you guys say the methodology of, I'm not going to really mix words about this. This accountability needs to be direct and straightforward to the point. Well, it's yeah. just, it's just like, hey, you know, if somebody has diet questions, for example, hey, I'm just been coming consistently I'm just not losing the weight all right well let's just talk about your diet a little bit see what's going on see see what it looks like and um, and then we'll talk about it and then you know I'm gonna follow up with them next time I see him hey you know we talked about doing this did you make the changes and you know oh well this that the other whatever we talk we will have I'll have conversations with people all the time about um, drinking alcohol every single night. I'm like, hey, I mean, you, if you want to quit, if you want to lose weight, I mean, I'm not telling you you need to quit drinking every night. I'm just saying if you want to lose weight, the best way for you to do it would be to cut back on the drinking. And then I'll ask them the next time, hey, you know, how's it going? And it's not like I'm looking for a reason to get on to them. 
I just want to check in with them because I want them to be able to achieve their goals. And I think that's really what it's about is them being, if they're open with us about what they want to do and they're seeking us out and talking to us about what we want to do, then we want to help them get uh, achieve those results. And the best way for us to do that is to ask them about it. And I think a lot of times just the fact that they know, hey, next time I come to the gym, Hunter's going to ask me about my diet or Hunter's going to ask me what I, uh, if I drank how many days I drank last week or whatever. And then what, what, I, what you'll start seeing is they'll come in, man, I, I did really good last week. I did really good last week. And then, you know, sometimes they'll be honest, like, man, I really dropped the ball last week. And I really appreciate when people are honest about it because it's like, I'm not, I'm not condemning you for falling off the wagon for two days. I don't, you know, that's, that's none of my business. That's you. I just want to help you do the best that you can. Yeah. And so don't be ashamed for failing because we all fail every single day. I'm just here to try to help you do the best. And what, for me, that's holding people accountable by ask, just asking and having a relationship and having a conversation about it and not scolding them for screwing up or anything like that. That's the farthest thing that we want to do. We just want to, you know, provide some structure and help because, you know, you talk about the self accountability, but I think a lot of people have never really put that in place. Some people have, some people have, develop really great systems for themselves and they know how to hold themselves accountable and they they can stick to a plan and, and if they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it. But a lot of people haven't ever really done that. They haven't developed those muscles to where they can hold themselves accountable. And so having somebody else help them get in that routine and jumpstart it um, and jumpstart those good habits can really help them uh, make progress in, in certain areas. So would you say, I'm just trying to, you know, give a little bit of a summary here. Would you say that one of the fastest ways out of frustration in your physical goals is to submit to accountability? Oh yeah, definitely. I think for me in inside the gym, like I said, it's never really been that much of an issue, but at the same time, I went up, I try, I'm, I'm held accountable by, um, people ask me, Hey, what'd you get on this workout yesterday? What'd you do on this? If I didn't do it, I'm like, that's that's not that's not a very good answer. Oh, I didn't do it. And then you just see the disappointment in their eyes. Like, yeah. you didn't do it? Why didn't you do it? For me, it's like I, I don't want to um, not do something that, that my peers are doing. I don't want to them to put the work in and me not put the work in because I feel like I'm letting them down in the gym. But for me, the one of the biggest things that's helped me out in my life is having people who hold me accountable outside the gym. I have um, a couple guys I meet with about business um, a couple times a month. And they hold me accountable. We talk about business and then we talk about things to do. And then I know the next time I meet with them, I better have done it or at least tried to. Or they're going to be like, dude, I'm wasting my time meeting with you because you're not doing what you what we recommend that you do or we talked about doing. Um, and so I don't want – that's my accountability for, for the business side of things. And then I have a, a couple guys I meet with for personal side of things and we just talk about life. And I have a, a group of men that I meet with every Tuesday night, and we just talk about life. And it's you just hold each other accountable in the fact that you know each other, and you're open and honest with each other, and you're vulnerable. And that's one thing that's helped me grow more than anything is being vulnerable with these guys and telling them what I'm feeling and telling them what's going on in my life and not trying to figure it all out myself because I have a tendency to um, just try to figure it all out myself. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to. You know, I'm not going to feel this bad pain or whatever. I'm just going to figure it out myself. And what I've learned over the last couple of years is by sharing the load with other people and telling them what I'm going through, 
they actually can relate a, a lot of times or they can give some good advice or they can just make you feel better and they can help you and they can hold you accountable. And so having people that know, hey, this is my goal that I want to do with the business. This is my goal that I want to do personal life. And then they'll, how, how, how are things going with that? I mean, it's as simple as that. How's things going with that? It's, it's just me knowing that I'm going to meet them is holding them, is holding me accountable um, not necessarily what they're saying or what they're doing. It's just having them in my life and, and putting those in place. So I think, yes, if there's an area that you just cannot, you're struggling with, you cannot beat it, you, you can't get over the hump, find two people and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this area. I want you to hold me accountable. I just want to talk with you about it once a week and we can talk about it. So, for example, if you're trying to lose 20 pounds and every Sunday you or Saturday you eat over, way overeat, just have two people you know that are going to call you on Sunday. Hey, did you overeat yesterday? And if you know that they're calling you on Saturday, when you're thinking about eat, eating, overeating, you're like, man, you know, Ben's going to call me tomorrow and ask me about it. And I don't want to lie to him about it. So I'm better, better not. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think what you're pointing out is pretty, uh, a key to really unlock some frustration for a lot of people and that, we have been taught throughout the years that discipline is the answer. And uh, I love what you said earlier, Chris. I think, you know, discipline and motivation kind of fall into a lot of the same categories in disrespect. Your discipline is going to ebb and flow. Some days you will feel more disciplined than others. But if you have that uh, measure of accountability put in there, even when your discipline slips, that accountability is going to pull you back in and say, all right, well, maybe I will fight this. Even when I don't feel like it, that accountability is going to pull me back into it. So wrapping up this discussion on accountability, which is obviously a difficult topic, I think there's kind of three phases of it that you guys are rolling out here that initially, and this is how growth patterns happen in, in almost everything in our life, initially you're leaning on someone a lot for that accountability. Like I, I have zero ability for accountability internally. I'm gonna to have to have these external metrics showing up for classes and I'm I, I'm gonna pay what I need to pay for this so that it'll draw me in there because I value money. Then you transfer into this part where it's like, all right, we're, we're mutually holding each other accountable, but there's this last piece that you guys do so well here at Coyote and it's pushing people into that last phase of, I really need you to hold yourself accountable more than I am holding you accountable because it shows that you're invested. You know, Part of the reason I think people get mixed up about this is because they think they need to be at level three when they first walk, walk in the door, but it, it is a process and you guys are very willing to walk with people through that process, right? Yeah, and I think we get a lot of practice because we, uh, because we implement it from the, uh, from the top down. Um, you know, and uh, what I mean by that is that that's how how we run how we run our business amongst ourselves with uh me hunter caleb and the uh, and the rest of the trainers we all have we all have jobs to do we're all expected to uh to do them and uh, that way that way our company you know runs like a uh like a well like a well-oiled machine there's no there's no guessing game everybody knows exactly what they need to do and um and that then that culture uh filters down to the um filters down to the classes and the way that we run the classes. You know, our coaches are expected to coach a certain way. Our athletes are expected to, um, to participate in a certain way. And, uh, so it's, a it is a, it is the culture that we are trying to build here. And that's what I believe separates us from, 
from uh, from other gyms that this isn't a place where you uh, where you're going to or hopefully it's not just a place where you're going to come in burn your calories and go home hopefully you're getting something more out of it or else we're not uh, we're not doing what we set out to do and that was change people uh, physically emotionally and spiritually yeah that's a good point Chris makes is that we meet Chris and Caleb and I meet weekly on at a set time every single week and we we go over whatever we want to work on for the week and then we know the next week when we meet we're going to review and make sure who whatever responsibilities each person had that they're done and then we have an app that we uh, assign all that stuff to but we can't help our clients as good as we possibly can unless we are the best version of ourselves so we we have to hold each other accountable and that's where us three are, are holding each other accountable to make sure we all raise our level that way it's going to raise the level of what we're able to help our clients get to and so yeah like you said leading from the front that's a big thing for us and we want to make sure that um if we say we want to do something well we we need to make sure we're heading in that direction that we're heading towards the direction of what we say we want to do and if we say we want to do something and two months later we haven't taken any steps towards it we need somebody that's going to kick us in the rear end and say hey man what are you doing you said you wanted to do this two months ago but i haven't seen any any progress in that area what's going on and sometimes that's just what 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 somebody needs to help them help them get going yeah i think um what y'all are opening the door for and i wish we had a little more time for this discussion today but we don't is that the accountability in the way that we're talking about it really leads to ownership and you guys just described that about how you're running your business and owning your part of what you need to do to make sure that this place is successful but it really filters down to the individual athletes as well we say all the time look i'd i'd love for this person to meet their goals or to be able to accomplish what they want to accomplish but i can't do it for them and i think accountability we've seen inside of coyote accountability is really one of those main methods to transfer ownership from the gym or from the form of fitness onto the athlete, onto the individual. And it's it really is something magical that happens when you see someone go from frustration in their physical life to ownership inside of how, how they are operating inside of a gym. And it just, every time, without a doubt, it impacts their ownership in every other area of their life. Whatever's important to them that they need to take ownership for, man, they just hit the ground running. You know, that's and that's what we get so excited about here, right? It's, it isn't just about um, increasing lean muscle mass or decreasing body fat. It's about taking ownership for your life and having a an overall healthy approach to what you're doing in everything, whether that's relationally or physically. So um, I appreciate the the level of candor and conversation about it because I think sometimes we think, man, if you've got CrossFit figured out. You, you don't have to worry about accountability, but you guys are still walking that, that journey. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I've been looking forward to this uh, segment since we started, I have to be honest. Partly because I get to say, outside the box! Yeah! Also because I get to hear something that we don't hear often from the Coyote CrossFit crew, and that is where they have wasted their time. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of this entire episode. So in our outside of the box segment, we're going to talk about, I don't know if we're going to do this collectively or individually. I have a feeling there'll be a lot of overlap here. We're going to talk about shows that we've watched that we regretted 
after watching them. So this isn't, I'm going to just guess by the question, this isn't like I tuned into one episode of this thing, but I stuck with it for a while, and at the end of all things, I really regret all the hours I invested It was in the biggest waste of time ever. Biggest waste of time. Not Now, we need to save for chasers. It's not that we're frustrated with how it ended, or we wish something would have gone differently in the last couple of episodes. Looking back over the whole experience, you're like, what was I thinking? What if the ending proved to me, like, yeah, there was no point for me to watch any of that? Yeah, sure. Maybe if it was okay. like the, the the final straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. And looking back okay. over the whole experience, you're like, I don't know why this passed through my filter of something I should spend time on. Hunter and I were discussing this yesterday, and I think our, our number one, we both share our number one. But I'd be interested to hear from you. A show that you've watched, Chase, that you're like, in the end, you just totally regretted it. Okay. I mean, you want to do all three right now, or you want to roundtable it? Yeah, let's go through three. Give me your three. Okay. My th- my number three has to have a little bit of a caveat with it. It's My Name is Earl. I love, love, love the first two seasons of the show. And then I don't know what, what happened. happened? <laughs> I don't know what changed, but they fired someone that was vital, vital to that show, and it clearly showed, apparently. Because season three is the most drastic change in humor and uh, just goodness. <laughs> I don't know. It just sucked real bad. So uh, my name is Earl. It's kind of like that that girl that you date where you're like, man, the first couple of weeks were awesome. But yep. then the, the other five years of that relationship <laughs> were totally miserable. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, the first two seasons are so good, man. It's such a unique take on a show. Like, it's, a, it's an everyman type show. It's good for everybody, I think. And then suddenly... It just like the sexual humor goes through the roof, and it's just like usually I can handle it with stuff, but it's like it's it's intense. Gotcha. And it came out of nowhere. So anyway, number three, my name is Earl. At least the back half. My number two is coming from just a long struggle of giving this specific genre a chance, and it just continues to not pay off but it's all of reality TV show ever <laughs> except Survivor Survivor's the only one that somehow man just always kill it did you just take the leap from a show to a genre <laughs> yes that's amazing I t- oh I tried to think through all like any reality show which that one I- was yeah. the worst <laughs> yeah like the only one that it might have a chance would be pumped but that's not really reality because it's like that's it's, true, it's yeah. sketch comedy yeah. just within yeah, real life yeah. stuff but like any of the crap, like Honey Boo Boo, The Voice, American Idol, it's all that stuff, and just like, it's just so cringeworthy at a certain point. It's like overproduced. It's it feels extremely fake. But it's Survivor. still so popular. It's still so popular. I don't popular. understand it. I don't understand. It. I would rather watch four guys go golfing and like actually show what it's like and just hear them cuss the whole time. I'd rather see that's real. That's reality. Anyway. I would say it's the dumbing down of America, but The Voice is like all over the world. It is. That's, uh, I think part of that, though, is that people want to make it big. and Right. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Re- reality TV in general is your number two. Yes. What in the world could be your number one? Let me tell you. <laughs> the Walking Dead. That oh. show. I'll you say heard some people's feelings that's there. That's fine. That is the worst acting I've seen by a major production in the history of any TV that I've watched. It's, like, I understand the appeal of, like, wow, zombies are finally on TV and it's good. Air quotes. It's not. I I just can't. Like, I, I tried to watch the whole first season, and I, I believe I did. I can't remember. I think I did. But the whole time, I'm just thinking, like, surely, surely this, they figure out that an acting coach that works. 
that'll make these people better, but it just doesn't happen. I sure hope they're not listening. Or maybe, hey, maybe it's a good source of accountability. Yep. You know, zombies. This uh, lone guy in Madison, Mississippi. Zombies do not fix your bad acting. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rule of thumb: zombies don't fix everything. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting three. How about you, Gunnar? I would venture to guess you don't have any of those same things. No. Actually, my number three was going to be all of reality TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to narrow it down. So if I had to pick one, it would be the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Mm. And because it started off and everybody was talking about it and it was funny and it had some good good quotes like uh, Jim, GTL, Jim Tan Laundry and <laughs> yeah. all that, you know, Poly D, all that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, you kind of got sucked into it a little bit and then it just kept drawing on and on and you keep watching it because you want to find out what happened. But I watched a, way too much reality TV in my teens and 20s, I would say. Uh, I'm trying to remember what like Duck Dynasty and uh, <laughs> American Idol, just admitted that. Uh, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, all that type of stuff. Sucks. Like uh, it's all bad. I was God, and so I was like, I'm. It's just a waste of time. It makes you. It literally makes you dumber. I think it makes you dumber watching <laughs> watching so reality TV. And I was with my girlfriend the, uh, a couple weeks ago. We were watching. Uh, uh, that show about um, Ice Road Truckers. No, no, no. Uh, gypsies. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I know, I know what my, you're talking my about. My gypsy wedding or something oh, like that, Lord. and I was just, I was like, oh, <laughs> I, my IQ is dropping like a point per minute that I'm watching this show, <laughs> and so I just remembered all along why I just quit watching reality TV show. I just, I don't like. I get it why people watch it because you don't have to think. And they're like, they maybe they maybe they uh, maybe they just want to zone out when they get after work, whatever. It requires no brain power to watch. See, but. that's what Parks and Rec and stuff like that's for, though. You can tune that yeah. out while you cook all the time. Yeah. You don't have to go. Sorry, it's your list. Yeah. Anyways, number three, all reality TV with a with a laser beam focus on Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> Probably spent wasting the most time of any of them on that. Um, so my other two were in the same vein as what you one of those shows you talked about. They started off great and they went downhill. And so I felt like I was already watching it. I was committed to it. Well, maybe this is going to get better. It's going to get better. And then it never did. Number two was, um, now I'm completely drawing a blank on, on what the show is called. Uh, Kevin Spacey's show on Netflix. Uh, House, House of Cards. Yes. Yeah. The first season was good. I really liked the first season. And then somewhere in the middle of that second season, I just felt like this is just getting way out there getting ridiculous and it, it never got better it got worse and worse and less and less believable and then all that stuff happened with Kevin Spacey and they silently canceled the show and I, and I was just like I just feel like I wasted all of my time invested in the show because it started off good and it started getting worse and it got worse and it worse and now it just doesn't even exist anymore and they just cut it off in the middle middle of the show another show that was similar along that line was Bloodlines I don't know if you guys watched that on Netflix I've heard of it I don't know anything about it very slow developing show invested in that one it it's it goes slow it kind of get into it by then the first season then the next two seasons they're still kind of slow and it's supposed to be like a seven season show they canceled after three seasons wow. so i'm like man i just invested you know and these are hour-long episodes 12 i think house of cards have what like 15 or 20 episodes a season that's a lot of hours yeah. so now looking back on them like for the amount of enjoyment that I got out of that first season of House of Cards, it wasn't worth all the extra time that I put into it. So, um, House of Cards number two. 
Number one, by far, hands down, is Prison Break. Here it is. <laughs> Prison Break. The first season just sucked me in so bad. Oh, and I was just like, man, I got to see. How are they going to get out of this? Pr- how are they going to get out of the jail? You yeah. know? And it's 24 episodes or however many, um, out, almost an hour long, and you're getting into it. And they finally break out of jail. Okay, all right, let's go on season two. Well, now they find another jail to get arrested into, and now they got to break out of this jail. And then the third season, he's breaking out of jail of a men's jail, and then they're breaking another grab of a women's jail. And, and there's like every single episode, there's like four plot twists, and oh, he's dead, oh, he's alive, oh, he's dead, oh, he's. And it just got so ridiculous, it's so unbelievable. Um, I just, I was like, by the end of it, I, by the middle of the last season, I was like, this is so terrible. I cannot believe I'm watching this, but I have to see it how it is. <laughs> <laughs> I've already put in, I'm like, wait, you know, it's like when you wait in three hours in line for a ride, but you still have 30 more minutes. It's like, I'm so tired of waiting on this ride, but I've already invested three hours. I can't get out of line now. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those feelings. So That's how I feel when I do Fran. <laughs> Gosh, I'm already six thrusters yeah. in. I, I might as well just see the suit at the end. So Prison Break, by far the biggest waste of time of my life um, as far as TV watching goes. So uh, do not watch that show ever. It's turned into a verb now. Like, man, you just got Prison Break. Yeah. Like you you thought this was going to be a good thing, and it's just <laughs> continually disappointed you. Yeah. Yeah, you found another another pickle to use. I think what was so strong about Prison Break, though, initially was, uh, I don't know, I can't remember the guy's name, but the lead, the actor, like, he was really good at this brooding, intelligent, yeah. intriguing, and he had this total blockhead of a brother. You're like, no, yeah. aren't, aren't they brothers? Aren't they brothers? Yeah, they were, yeah. Like, there's no way. Meathead There's-. brother, yeah. Yeah, the meathead brother's like, give me the wrench. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's, like, tattooed all the stuff on him. But, yeah, very intriguing storyline. I'm with you. We, like, you and I have very similar uh, thoughts on that. Chris, this is where you bring up Down Periscope. <laughs> <laughs> now is the time. Now is the time. Um... No, uh, you know, this was a really, really hard list for me because typically if I'm not, if I'm not engaged from the first couple episodes, I usually just leave it alone. So, uh, I had to, I had to think back really, really hard and, uh, like Hunter was saying, uh, all three of mine are reality TV shows <laughs> and they all came from the, uh, the music, uh, networks oh, out there. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you'll, this will be a throwback for some of you guys, the real world. Oh, yeah. Whoa! And and uh, what I remembered so much about that one was like, even while I was watching it, I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it was just like you know that's what when you're in when you're in sixth and seventh grade that's what everybody's talking about. So I feel yeah. like I gotta watch it so I can I don't fit in or whatever. But I was like, even watching, I was like, I do not like any of these people. <laughs> I don't like this show. <laughs> Which, which I hope all the bad things in life happen to them. <laughs> <laughs> which season were you watching? Which which one do you remember? Uh, I remember Austin. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, was that the one that had the football player from uh, from Vanderbilt on there? Uh, I can't remember. I think yeah. I, I know I remember the I, I remember Austin and I remember uh, maybe New Orleans or something like that. But yeah, terrible. Just. Awful show. Huh? I, I spent a lot of time watching the Real World Two, Real World Two in high school, yeah. and I I wanted to send in a, a audition tape. I really wanted to be in the house. <laughs> I was like, man, this is cool. But then once you get into the first season that you watch, it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool. But then once you start seeing the second, third season, it's the same stuff over and over and over again. It's just drama, drama, yeah. drama. It's like, ugh. You know, so I was around for the first season of Real World. Oh, of course you were. Yeah, and I think it was 
San Francisco or someplace like the that. The real world Garden of Eden. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was random. Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, wow. That was, pre- that was pretty good. I don't know how to recover. Wow. I had a, play- a place I was going, but it's not, it's not hey, worth it now. She should go take five, man. Yeah, I'll be right back. Step out, get a breather. Do you remember talking head interviews with, like, the serpent? Like, I'm just so sick of Eve and her attitude. <laughs> She never puts the seat down. It's so frustrating. <laughs> but the first season was pretty... It's it's one of those intriguing ideas, kind of like Survivor. It's like, whoa, yeah. they're going to follow these guys around with the camera everywhere they and, go. And That's didn't crazy. one of the guys in the first season have AIDS, and so it was like a huge, huge deal. Yeah, it was either season one or, or season two, so... You could tell there was a big, there's always a big transfer. Like, this started out as a cool idea, and they're going to investigate it, and then it's just, they're telling people what to do, you know. And they have each person, like, fits a specific cast role. Yeah, stereotypical, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm just really impressed with you, Chris, because I think if you're talking about reality TV shows, there's a few that you can, like, you can bring up at parties and you can talk about. But, and I'm relating everything to relationships, but reality TV shows on music networks are kind of like the girl you dated. You just don't want to tell anybody you ever dated her, right? <laughs> so for you to bring that up very publicly, I'm just so proud of you. Oh, you man. started well, with the well, real well, world. Well, well, just, well, just wait. <laughs> because <laughs> these, you go to these, last, these last two, I mean, they are my, they are my, they're both number one and number two on this, uh, on this list. They can be used interchangeably for the same reasons. Room Raiders and Pimp My Ride. <laughs> <laughs> they were back to back, weren't they? Yeah, probably so. I think they were. I probably so. I probably was watching that waiting on TRL. But yeah, man, like I remember, you know, after after five episodes, like this is the same thing. But I don't know what I'm waiting on to happen on this show. I wanted to get my car in high school pimped. I, I, I had an 86 Blazer, and I was like thinking, man, Exhibit could really do this. Clean your room in the back for that system they usually put in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> too bad, too bad it's like going to blow out the transmission. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. God. Yeah. But, yeah, man, because uh, uh, I, watched, I watched a lot of those, and... It's like, man, how terrible. What an awful waste of time. I could have spent more time playing NCAA football. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Do, do the the that, funny so. part of Room Raiders is when they always did the black light test. <laughs> oh, that makes me cringe. Unless <laughs> you get you're down all, to you're the You're always going to find that stash of porn under somebody's bed. Yeah. It's always going to be there. What's this on the wall over here? I don't even know how that got there. <laughs> Okay, Dan, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dig us out of this hole. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm, I actually thought a lot about this because I kind of take pride in if I, if I watch something, it's past a lot of filters. Um, I'll go ahead and say Prison Break was absolutely my number one. I mean, I don't know how many seasons of that I, I watched. It was ridiculous. Another one kind of along those same lines was Heroes. Oh, I've heard yeah. that a lot. I've never oh, given it a shot. Yeah. I think they're Man, bringing Heroes back. About that one. Yeah, they did was, bring it back. Is that, one, is that the Superman one? Where Superman's yeah, a kid, were, they all had no. no, no, no small, 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 small. Heroes yeah. is like this literally. The just first like the hero. year, season uh, of Heroes okay. was awesome, no doubt. It was so good. Well, and what kept me watching was save the cheerleader, save the world. Yeah, and I'm like, when are they going to tell us what yeah. that means? It was and so good. It was so well done, and then you can tell like they hadn't thought past the first season at all. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. can't believe we made it to the second season. <laughs> what are we going to do now? 
Oh, yeah. So, that I don't know. That one, the, the guy was, like, reading people's minds and stuff. And, I mean, the acting was pretty good, but just the story just totally stalled. So, yeah, I'm rolling down. So, you got Prison Break, number one, uh, Heroes, uh, number two. And I'm, I'm going to say this at great risk to my public reputation, but... I, I stuck with Lost because everybody that I was talking to at the time stuck with Lost. You don't like, like Lost? I'm like, this get is out, just... man. Get out. <laughs> I'm like, I don't. Originally, I'm like, oh, yeah, cool idea. And then, you know, the Dharma Initiative and all that stuff. But then it just, it kind of got weird. The reason I'm bringing it up is because I'm currently watching Man in High Castle. Yeah. And I think I've figured out. Same vibes. Well, it's a much better show, obviously, just later in, on the timeline of history. But. When you start mixing up that sci-fi with the drama, like that is a very delicate line to walk. When you reach over and so you remember in Lost, there was like this black cloud thing that was hovering out in the in the wilderness, and I was really intrigued by, well, did they die or did they not die? Uh, Man in High Castle is kind of the same thing. Who won the war? Let's get this figured out. But when they when you go into sci-fi, I think. My lesson for this, for all you sci-fi fans that are listening, is if you're going to be a sci-fi show, just be that from the beginning. Don't mix it up too much. So uh, I currently don't regret Man in High Castle, but but um, the lost part, it just, I don't know. What was the guy? Was Jack and who? Sawyer. Uh, Sawyer. <laughs> no, that guy John was John Locke, Kate. Yeah, yeah. Locke. Yeah, Kate. Charlie. Jack Charlie's the greatest character in any TV show ever. I don't care what anyone says. Charlie? Yeah. yeah. Really? Saddest death scene on the planet. I don't oh, care. my gosh. Lost is still one of the best shows ever. I, I, I wasn't upset by the end that no, much. I wasn't that upset by it. And, you know, I, I get it. They didn't have it all planned out. They were making it up as they go. But it was still good. And it was like, that last season, I was like, man, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, yeah. I was constantly edging my seat. But Heroes, not only did I waste all that time watching Heroes, but I invested in the redo of Heroes, and I was just, when they when they tried yeah. to redo it, yeah. and I watched all those episodes, because I just loved the first season so much, it was so cool. That needs to go on my list. Put that on there. Heroes. <laughs> okay, so maybe you could, uh, in the last seconds of this episode, maybe I wouldn't be quite so upset about Lost if somebody could explain to me, were they dead? Yeah. Yeah, they were. The so, last, last, the whole last season? The whole last season was... Yeah. was uh, was half of it like in the present and then half of it like their purgatory wherever they were after they died. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Jack's the last one to get there. I wish the... I tell you what, if they would have took that took that whole purgatory crap out of the last season and just made it all and it ended with Jack dying at the end. Sorry. <laughs> it's years old. Spoiler alert. Spare us that. It's years old, man. Uh, it would have been a perfect ending. But yeah. they added all that other stuff in, and I just didn't like that. So everybody I, I, showing up at the church is purgatory. Like, that's yeah. purgatory or, or heaven. Yeah, they're dead. on heaven. Yeah. Okay, so taking a flight over to, it's like the planes were going in between realities. I don't know. I just got no, 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 no. The oh gosh, the, all right, we got to explain this like off mic or something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, suffice it to say, for me personally, rolling back, I'm like, and that was when the. You have to add not just only not only just watching the show, but trading the DVDs in and out of the DVD player. That's how long ago I was like, oh, watching yeah. Lost. Oh. I was watching Lost on the uh, when you get your uh, DVDs and Netflix when you get them in the mail. Uh, you like, want to hear? And, what and my... I had to I had to increase from one to two because <laughs> if you only got one at a time, then you finish it and you got a mail that takes a day. Then it takes a day for the next one to come in. 
I'm like, I need to have two at a time. That is spectacular. So by the time I finish the second one, the third one's come in the mail, and I can keep it keep it rolling. Leave it that to way. you. Do you want to hear how obsessed my parents were with Lost? We were on vacation in Gulf Shores. And whenever we were going out with like the other families we were with, they'd be like, "Oh, we're fine. We're gonna stay and watch Lost." They <laughs> they watched all the whole first five seasons of Lost oh, on yeah. vacation. Oh, I watched the whole the all the seasons leading right before the last season started, and then I was watching every single episode when it came uh, came out. And then I remember the the series finale came out like the week after I left for to play baseball in Kentucky, and so we had a game. That night of the series finale, and I was mad. I was like, man, all right, I'm going to go. As soon as I get up tomorrow, I'm going to watch it. And at, or after practice or something, uh, we had practice the next morning or something. So as soon as I get home from practice, I'm going to watch this last episode. And I'm driving home, listening to the radio. I, I've stayed off of Facebook. I'm like, I don't want to see how it ends. I'm listening to the radio. You know, you would think you're safe on the radio. Yep. A song comes on, uh, and the DJ song comes off, DJ comes on. So how about that lost inning? It was all made up or some crap like that. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Foiled by FM radio yeah. again. Let that be a lesson to you. Yeah, I was so mad, man. All right, well, uh, speaking of Mad Men, that's a show that did not make the list. I do not regret any moment of no, watching that I show. I've never heard anybody regretting Mad Men. Yeah, completely. Mad Men, one of the best shows ever. All right, so we got to wrap this episode. How should we do this, Chase? Like this. I got a recommend, by the way. Oh, yeah, see, wow! I don't know what he was doing. So yeah. was, whatever happened after that. Has a recommend. Setting up. Anybody else have a recommend? Other than Mad Men, uh, I'll go first. Okay, there watch Mad Men. Yeah, uh, I second that. Uh, I read a book recently. I got it every year at the World Cup. I get back into soccer, and so I ordered a book called Soccernomics, and it was like the economics of soccer. It was really, really interesting. Um, have you guys read like Freakonomics? No, I've heard you reference it a lot. Yeah, though. similar to that. Uh, but basically, they're breaking down the first half of the book. They're breaking down basically. Eng- they focus on the English Premier League, and they talk about common myths about like break down why the manager isn't as important as they say they are. What actually makes a successful team? Why it's a waste of money to spend all this money on transfer fees? All this type of stuff. And they provide a lot of compelling evidence. And in the second half of the book, they talk about like countries and. Um, why certain countries do well, why other countries don't do as well. And, and they talk about the reason that the countries do well is because they're all close together so they can play each other a lot and they bring the, um, the level of competition up. And then the, the countries that are farther out of that inner circle of, of playing aren't, don't advance as fast. And I think about that in all aspects of life. Like the people who are surrounding themselves with good people and competing against each other in certain areas, they're going to rise faster than people who are isolated uh, by themselves. Um, then they also talked about the future of soccer, um, where they where they think the future uh, teams, you know, best countries in soccer are going to be. Uh, so it was really interesting. If you are interested in all in soccer, I would check it out. It was a fascinating read. It's one of those that it seems nerdy, but once you actually start reading it, it's, it's really hard to stop reading a certain chapter. Um, so Soccernomics, uh, check it out. A book. Shocker. Sounds like it would go right on my list of shows I would regret watching. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Chris has a pro- uh, future professional soccer player now, so uh, you better start learning up on your soccer. No doubt. What's, it's like all new form and strategy to the game in general. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah she's either, either going to be a really good soccer player or a, a really good uh, animal imitator. Because <laughs> <laughs> she does she, both. She likes game. to go to soccer practices and pretend, and pretend she's a horse. <laughs> yes. well, I mean, who doesn't really? You know, yeah, just, that's a fact. When you're a child, you don't know to consider. If you made me go to soccer practice, I'd probably do the same thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> awesome. So, Soccernomics, the latest read from Hunter Owen. For, correct? Freakonomics? Soccernomics. Soccernomics. Read Freakonomics, too. That's a good one. Okay. Freakonomics. When are you going to write Hunternomics? Hunternomics. Be able to look out for that one. <laughs> All right, so now, and I've always, it's just like a tradition, I prematurely close the episode before the recommends, but now this is the real ending. Right?